really is okay to run a prison system that has a component of mercy associated with it. Still accountability, still justice, but that has mercy associated with it. If I can see that when I come back after I'm done with this job, and like I see that prison, man. Welcome back to the podcast. Before we get started today, we wanted to let you know that you will be hearing more about a partner that is coming on board with us. We are in talks with an amazing organization, something that is brand new, that if you are a kingdom leader of any kind, you are passionate about a cause, you are launching an organization, you are leading an existing organization, or you need funding of any kind for your organization, you are going to want to hear about these guys. So we can't share just yet, but we will be inviting you to partner with us so we can continue to produce this podcast. We want to keep the quality of guests high. We want to keep the quality of episodes high, and we want to continue to bring those to you every Tuesday and Thursday and occasionally have a special episode that we release at a different time. So with that said, in the next few weeks, you're going to hear about how you can join with us to partner along in this podcast, but you're going to hear about an incredible new organization that is there to help kingdom leaders figure out how to get featured and funded so that ultimately you can have a more sustainable ministry or leadership or cause or ability to help change the world. We know that funding is a big issue for that. It's something that we all run into. We all need to plan for and we have got an incredible partner for you coming up. So we'll be sharing about that in the next few weeks. But for now, on to our episode. So today is part two of a double feature with a now friend of mine, Dean Williams. Dean is the executive director of the Colorado Department of Corrections. And if you didn't listen to the last episode, pause this right now, go back to the last episode, and just listen to the clarity by which he leads of defining there is a jacked up system. There is a problem that is not bringing dignity, humanity, and redemption to people who have been behind bars. And he talks about the tensions of this so well. He wants to see results. He wants to see the back to prison rates go way down. He has a dream of those being cut in half long down the line, but they're making some incredible reforms from art and music to actually churches coming inside. He has some dreams he'll share about some things that may be pushing the envelope a little bit in some people's minds. And I love the audacity of Dean, the clarity of his role. He's clearly on a mission from God. And I personally am so excited he is here in our state to bring a unique perspective, not only on leadership, not only on life, but I believe on what the faith of a Christian leader can look like. Dean is incredible, and I love this conversation with him. Hope you enjoy part two with the executive director of the Colorado Department of Corrections, Dean Williams. If you say no to that, Dean, I still love you, but um, you know that this is something you're called into. Mm. And, and it was hard, really hard. But guess what? He found a way. And that journey brought me here. Had I not, had Helen Panacek not prayed for me, um, I'm not sure what it would have been. Truly, that simple. And then as, you know, after I'd showed, because I, I brought the video to show them how he died, and I said, I'm going to tell you the truth, and here wow. it is. Wow. It was just a powerful moment and a change of my life. And uh, not because 
I was, my life was changed because of her mercy for me, her grace for me, when I was there delivering all bad news. Mm. And here I was, this follower, been followed for 20 years at that time, but um, I just realized that she was giving something and I didn't, I, was, I needed to learn from <clears throat> a most unlikely source, mm. a very a most unlikely source. It's a beautiful story, and it's interesting you use the word, I was convicted. So a convicted man working with convicted men and women uh -huh. to see dignity. Right. Uh, and right. so that doesn't surprise me that there was a moment, a transformative moment, and hearing you in Sterling in a prison going, not the place I expected to get like a movie rallying talk, cry, sermon, whatever you would call mm -hmm. that. Um, man, just to see even you coming in defining reality saying this is this is not good we're not here to paint the perfect picture and, and it was it was tough I mean it was a very very difficult journey it did not go well a lot of days I would get up to the side of my bed and talk about me on my knees and saying God I, I give you this day good bad or indifferent I give you the day I don't really understand I know you called me here um, but I'll give you the day and he saw it through and all that journey wove into how I got here. I didn't know Governor Polis from anybody in this state. You know, yeah, I was reaching you're appointed out. by him. I was appointed by Governor Polis to this job. I didn't know him until I met him in Boulder over a year ago. Like, why are you here? And I told him, quite frankly, I said, I think I'm on a mission to help another state after I went through that journey. I said, Governor, maybe it's with you. Maybe it's with somebody else. Um, I'm really glad he chose me, believe me. But it's an unlikely, circuitous journey I was brought on to now be here in Colorado. Mm -hmm. And man, I reflect upon that. Uh, it's real for me every day because I, I know that I'm leading from a place of great, great humility every day, uh, great r respect for the work that's gone ahead of me, but also a, a great commission in some ways for me and I'm bringing others along to say, hey, this all can be different, you guys. This can be different. Um, and at the end of the day, I'm a little careful about saying, but, but to, to your, everything else, I know at the end of the day, it's all praise to God anyhow, right? Um, I'm just grateful I get to be a part of it. You know, some days, some days are really hard. In those days back in Alaska, those that first year, man, that was rough. It was really rough. My wife, you know, one time said, you're not allowed to look at the newspaper for the next week. I, no, you know, no news for you because I was, in the, I was in the news and not in a good way. Things were being said about me that were lies that were, it was horrible. You know, I, I wanted, I was kind of trying to, in some ways, you know, I, I wanted my dignity, you know, I wanted my respect. And here's the interesting part about that is that God was just saying, that's, that's not the deal, buddy. What you think is what you think you want in terms of dignity and respect. I I know you do, but the reality is, am I enough for you? Is my, does my opinion matter of you more than everything else? Wow. And I I thought I had the answer to that question. You know. Of course, I, yes. <laughs> <laughs> of course it does. Yes, I had answered that many times before, saying yes. Of course, I care more about the fact that you've called me to be a follower now. I've heard. I've now heard. You're I've heard your voice. in the paper, but, but, but yeah. At the end of the day, I still have to ask the question: Is Jesus enough for me? 
And I don't, I don't know if any of your listeners have been through these seasons, these, these really valleys. Um, but man, did it deepen me. I mean, I don't ever want to go back through it again. But it doesn't mean I won't. Um, but I can't say I would ever change that because it deepened me in a way. You know, I'm still kind of a neurotic at heart. I mean, it's going to go like, oh, well, I hope, hope people like me. You know, I hope I'm doing good here. Um, Turns out but, you're human, Dean. But, but yeah, no, but exactly, right? But, but the, the point is that he's deepening a spot in me mm. to say, hey, I get that. Mm. That's not the deal, though. Mm. The deal is the mission's bigger. Mm. So you're, yeah, you're going in the deeper end of the pool. Mm. You're farther from shore than you've been. Mm. Good on you. Now, remember, remember who I am. Mm. I'm God, you're not, Dean. Mm. And, like, every day we wake up, and I think we all know the answer to that issue, that question, but, man, it's kind of in those, those rough spots that, like, okay, yeah, I guess I'm going to have to give a little bit more of me wanting to have dignity and respect mm in the way that I want it mm. and give it away a little bit more. Mm. A couple more questions for you. Um, we could talk for hours more, but at, at least two more questions kind of on the tip of my heart. We always ask leaders on this podcast, how do you stay healthy? I mean, immense pressure. Um, things can change, right? You're building, I, I love what you talk about, incremental change. You're building change that you hope lasts a long time. Right. How do you stay healthy? How do you stay grounded? Maybe they're really practical things in the midst of the pressure of this role. I give myself about a C plus in this area, to be honest with you. And the reason why is that I'm not, you know, physically, like when the summer I'm going to work at, when I was back in Alaska, I was chopping wood. I was moving my body physically more than I am right now. And so I kind of feel like I'm like, man, I was like the worst shape I've been in. And this doesn't help getting older, by the way. <laughs> um, but no, I. Um, I, I mean, I go to church every Sunday. Um, I, I stay grounded uh, every day. I'm, I'm reaching out to other followers every day. I need other men. I lost my mentor uh, about three years ago, two or three years ago, to, to uh, cancer, and uh, I had lunch with that man regularly to keep me grounded. I mean, there are you know, I have a wonderful wife who reminds me that I'm not the director <laughs> when, I, <laughs> when I get home, uh, which, is, which is good. Um, and um, so I think part of, uh, part of the other reason why I'm only giving myself a C-plus on that, though, is that it's really this network and relationship of friends and having things. I'm part of a men's group, and my attendance is terrible because the morning they have it on, I'm like in Denver like every morning. Um, and if they're listening, I'm asking them, don't kick me out, because um, <laughs> my attendance is terrible at that. But, but a, part of it is where I do give myself a little credit is that um, um, I, I, work, I read a little bit of scripture every day, even if it's just one of those verses that just comes across to remind myself that uh, I'm, I'm not God. And that in these positions, because you know, there's 6,100 people who work for me, and um, People always, you know, and 20,000 men and women behind the walls, and so you get an idea of yourself, like, I'm pretty hot, I'm pretty good here. Um, and um, I, need, I need to be humbled every day. I pray for humility every day because um, these jobs are tough. You know, when you're a, past, you're a pastoral leader, I've never been a pastor in the church, but, um, you know, the, the pressures of that 
And uh, I, I, would, I would, so I'd, I'd encourage the men and women who are listening, um, yeah, move your body more than I am and, you know, walk more than I am. And if you get a chance to chop wood or you can actually have a hard aerobic workout, good for you because I'm not doing really great at that right now. But this network of people and having relationships and having complete total transparency, especially men because we get around and we talk about a bunch of other nonsense. And I just need 10 or 15 minutes of honesty, uh, like a week, you know, a day or a week with somebody who's, who's my friend. Mm. And, and so searching those people out of my life, and, and I'm developing them now. I mean, I've only been here a year, but I'm developing some friendships where I can, I can, I can like, hey, mm. not for nothing. Yeah. I'm kind of feeling jacked up today on this. And I think that is, um, that's really um, that grounding and, 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 you know, reading. I mean, you know, I'm, all you teach from the pulpit, teach how, how often are you in the Word. Uh, that's hugely important to me. Uh, and, uh, again, it's even just finding five minutes. Just five minutes helps a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, praying on the way to work and praying for the people around me uh, every day, um, you know. And... and um, and yeah, and and I just establishing one thing, whatever that thing is, every day that I that um, just reminds me that I'm placed here, and it's um, it's okay, it's mm-hmm. okay that I don't have to have it, I don't have to feel good about everything every every minute, mm-hmm. you know. Well, we're glad you're here, man. <laughs> we <laughs> selfishly, that. I'm glad that uh, God brought you here through this mm-hmm. kind of crazy. Mm-hmm scene of events. Um, so when you look into the future, you're, you're hoping for incremental change and use that word incremental a lot. And I love what you're trying to build here, of course. My wife and I, huge fans. We're feeling huge hope at what's happening within the state. What do you hope is true about the prison system in Colorado in 20 years because of your time here? Well, I want openness and transparency. I want it to be easy for people in the community to get behind the walls and to serve. Um, and we're moving on that front. I want people to walk into prisons and see men who are incarcerated leading other men who are incarcerated. Um, I want this return to prison rate cut in half, you know. Um, and I. Um, I want a functional team. Um, I want functional people who work in this department, and I want servant leadership. Um, I, I want part of my, I really never thought about these things in terms of legacy issues. I feel like I'm still too young yet, but I <laughs> guess I realize I am getting older. Um, but these sort of legacy things are about some of the changes we're making that are sustainable and incremental. And so what has now been like, oh my goodness, they're doing theater? That's just, of course, the way we do business now. Uh, so I, I want these incremental changes, you're right, to have sustainability and trajectory. And, and you don't do that with flash in the pan things. I don't think churches do that. Churches that make, you know, who pray and really contemplate about a new initiative. I think, you know, I've seen where churches do well and some where they don't. I've learned a lot from being involved with leadership in churches about that effort to be really, there's a lot of good ideas. <laughs> uh, we can't do all the good ideas. But the ones we do, let's try to do well, and let's be strategic about how we invite people in, how we invite 
family. And I, I want my staff. I mean, part of this whole reason is bringing the staff along to say, it's going to be better for you, not just the men and women behind the walls. So I, I want, but at the end of the day, what I really want is a leadership team. And I have great people who are working for me now. Man, I have some great people. And so I want them to hire other great people. I want us to have a, um, you know, we're a little bit, um, a functional uh, team, a functional family. <clears throat> it's a little bit messy at times, right? Um, it just is. Always, yeah. You know, it's not, if anybody's saluting and like, no, there's not any disagreement, like, I'd seriously question about well, how real that is. Yep. So we're a little bit messy here. Um, but man, is that a beautiful thing, and is that encouraging? So I, you know, uh, I have a lot of meetings where people are considered in disagreement, and I go, man, thank you, God, for that. Because it doesn't mean that no, everyone's, everyone's pulling in the same direction. It's just that you know, maybe different ideas of how to get there. And you have to foster that. And you have to allow that. And in these kind of environments, a prison environment, oh, heavens. I mean, this can be true in any environment, too, in terms of a church environment or pastoral where it seems like things are really good and it's really kind of driven top down like pretty heavy handed and everyone's afraid to say that uh, you, know, you know it's um, the biggest piece for me is if I can leave this department where I have people who get what it means for us to be a little bit messy as a family <clears throat> as a team um, who are leading others well to speak truths and to be truth tellers and for us to struggle, um, man, then the, then the trajectory is going to be good. Because this other stuff, um, the results will prove itself out. And what's happening even right now in the prisons, I'm starting to see results out of it. Mm. When you walk through, the environment's different. My hair doesn't stand on the back of my neck. Some places mm. still does. I love that you talk about results, by the way. Right. Because you're not just saying, hey, here's some nice things. Right. It's got to move the needle. We got to do better, is I think what you said. Exactly. No. We, we have yeah, to do exactly. better. Fifty percent returning, many of them within six months. <clears throat> Not okay. So I see that passion, right. but also you're saying we we have to have results. Well, and part of that is is to be open enough about what's not working, and and the other reason about inviting people in is it makes you vulnerable too about from people on the outside saying I don't I don't get what you're doing here, and are we big enough to say I don't get what you're doing? Because they're part of the solution. They're part of the solution. And though, by the way, they're seeing it differently than when we're seeing it. Mm -hmm. When people walk in and, and raise a question like, why are we doing that? So we're doing, we're doing visitation differently. There's a lot of worry when we have family visitations and things like that, people passing drugs, and there's all kinds of things we're battling, and I get that. But I have to tell you, we're doing some of these family unification events differently, where people can actually mm -hmm. hold hands. Mm -hmm. Seems like a small thing. I saw a video of that the other day, incredible. Seems like a small thing. But I got to tell you, those 50 men who are involved in that family unification, like, when they say, hey, this is on you. One of you wants to screw this up for the 49 other guys? Think about it. Wow. You know, reflect upon it. What do you want this place to be? Mm. How do you want this to be? Mm. And so when you see these really family unifications or these opportunities, do we still have knuckleheads? Beyond? Yeah, of course we do. Some people aren't going to get it, but... That's not so much different than people not in prison. <laughs> That's right. Knuckleheads right. are everywhere. Yeah, right. And so there's going to be knuckleheads behind the walls who don't get it. And we know how to handle them. We got that down. What we haven't had down is 
that it really is okay to run a prison system that has a component of mercy associated with it. Still accountability, still justice, but that has mercy associated with it. And that, if I can see that when I come back after I'm done with this job, mm. and like I see that prison, um, man. Mm. That's beautiful, Dean. On record, however I can help. Uh, and, <laughs> and for it. our listeners as well. All right, last question is really coach me and coach us as listeners. Um, the reentry of folks who have been in prison, many of them for, for a long time. There's a lot of obstacles against them. Um, Lord willing, a friend of mine will actually be spending Christmas with us, moving in with our family. I mean, we're family to him. Right. So kind of let's go personal here, whether it's a church community coming around them, family, having somebody come back from prison, a close friend. What do folks need in order to thrive after time in prison? Well, two things. On the global front, continue to help um, me push what I think is the true narrative, that accountability and redemption can be live in the same prison walls. The justice and mercy can live in the same prison walls. And as the faith community, I think we have a responsibility to say, those people behind the walls are our people, right? That's our family too. And many churches already in this state have been, it's unbelievable. I mean, Woodman, Flatirons, uh, a new life is just approached to me, the pastor of that, about how they can get involved in a prison. Uh, Red Rocks, right, Flatirons, some of the large churches, you don't have to be a large church to be involved in this. Their finally. Christmas video is incredible. You know, and just, no, exactly, that that really, on my talk about a tearjerker, oh. I mean, like, oh, I mean, like that. I'm whole not thing. crying, are you crying? No, <laughs> you're crying, I'm not crying. So, um, so that, it, there are amazing opportunities continue to globally change the environment in this state to say, we are going to be a state, especially as a faith community, that, um, is gonna go behind the walls and we are going to globally accept the fact that justice and mercy is a real thing, a real thing. And we still love on and we still care for victims of crimes and we still hold them and care for them. And that does not diminish our care and respect and love for them while we hold up mercy, while we hold up redemption. Some people think we just should make these places, pardon my French, a hell hole. Mm -hmm. And it's wrong. It's wrong in, in a results way, it's wrong in any secular fashion, it's certainly wrong as a Christian community, I think, with all due love and respect to my brethren and sisters out there. We have to, we have to embrace the justice and mercy. The second thing, and more on a real ground level, <clears throat> is that we're starting, I'm starting to open the doors, so it hasn't started yet, but I'll announce here that eventually, I want to get to a day pass opportunity. I started doing this back in Alaska. I want to grow it here. So part of what we're going to do around Easter is we're talking about bringing some men and women possibly from some of the communities, the faith communities that exist behind the walls, or maybe some of the church communities, mm. just on a, on a day. Mm. Just to, to sort of break this stigma that, yeah, we go behind the walls, but some men and women who are doing well can come out and go back to prison the same way I'm employing and putting people to work, right? Because they're in a different space because they really are caring. Not the knuckleheads, but the people are. So out of that, uh, what if people were getting out and we had mentors the same way that AA and that we disciple as the faith community, disciple others who are new followers? What if we said as a faith community, you know what? Hey, my, 
my wife and I, or me and this other couple, or a group of extended, that's going to be behind the walls. If I, if I tell men and women, do you want to you want to mentor? Do you want a mentoring family? And we train you to kind of say, here's what I want you to look out for. Here's what I don't want you doing as a mentor family. And and oh by the way, we provide an opportunity for a guy who seems to be in the right phase. Uh, is it going to change the world? No, but I can tell you what research tells us and what results tell us is that these mentoring and these discipling things, I mean, Christ said this right, right? The discipling others, how do we lead others and how do we bring courage others along? So that is, that is going to be a growing opportunity over the next year or two or three of my tenure, whatever the Lord has me here Yet for. Yet again, however we can help. So I think there will be opportunities for the faith community to say, not only provide someone a job, which I'm if you're a small employer, how you do that? But are you a person who can adopt, quote unquote, adopt a, a returning person? And if they blow it with you, you're not going to expose yourself to something profound. But what if the last six months or a year you went in <clears throat> every other week, once a month, took somebody out on pass for eight hours, brought them to church? Brought him, you know, bought him coffee, bought him breakfast. And it said, hey, I'll start writing you if you can write me. So we do these things all over the world, you know, little pen pals. I mean, how we're, uh, you know. My wife's been pen pals yeah. with our friend Al for 21 years. So what you started in regards to that and where that has turned into uh, is a profound um, opportunity. And um, we will vet people very carefully behind the walls and we would expect full transparency of that, you know, that inmate in terms of the, this mentoring relationship. But I can tell you, it works. It's worked always in the juvenile system. We know the most powerful thing in terms of juveniles and trouble is mentorship. And so, I um, that is going to be a growing opportunity. We already started to talk to one of those faith communities already about that, about how we pilot it. We probably start with one, some of the women first, to say. These women are getting out. Here's a small group. <clears throat> we'll start very small with six that are getting out in six months, eight months. Um, would you like to mentor them as they get out? Bring them to church? And we're telling them, this is who you are. You don't have to sign on the dotted line to be faith community, but you, we are. If you, if, you, if you want to be mentored by us, you're going to hang out with us. We'll go to church. And if you don't want that, that's fine. But we start very small. Um, and by the way, talk about legacy thing doing prison that way, and we know that how um, other countries have done that too. They've done the very same thing. They send people out, and they come back to prison. And guess Breaking what? the cycle would be a great yeah, one for exactly. people to watch. Breaking the do. cycle, that movie, Breaking the Cycle. Okay, take 45, 50 minutes and watch that documentary. It's, it compares Halden Prison from Norway to Attica Prison, and one of the big issues that they have learned in other countries is that people need a test period, right? Like, come out, go back to prison. And oh, by the way, that's being responsible. Do you want to go back to prison? Of course you don't go back to prison. But the reality is they're getting out in six, eight months, and this is how we could do this. And so it's sort of testing the fact that can you handle that freedom for eight hours? If you blow it, we'll come back, re-arrest you, re-arrest you for the, you're not have to escape, you're back in prison longer. But we have to provide those opportunities. That you, no one raises a teenager and says you, you're never allowed to go out past 6 p.m. at that's night, right. you, you'd have a rebellion on your hands. That's right. you, you know, you, you, so you try to dole it out the same way you would raise children. We're kind of, so do you want to re-enter the same way? You have opportunities to blow it again. 
What you can't do is put people out who don't even know how to operate a phone, don't know how to catch a bus, who don't even know how to apply for a job, who have no chance of getting a job and doing all those things and expect it's going to go well. It's just not. That's the part, that's the denial part that we've been in that, um, that, I, that we're on the trajectory of breaking. <laughs> I love but, that but, vision. Yeah. I love yeah. what you're doing. Dean, uh, it truly has been an honor uh, from the moment meeting up in Sterling just to say, you know, this is a man on the mission. And uh, now, I, now I know it. So thanks for spending time with our listeners. Guys, we'll leave some links in the show notes as well. If you have a passion for this, um, there are churches that are doing this well also. And so I'd love to connect you to some of those other churches. Yeah, so thank you. Seeing. Thanks so much for having me. Wow. Where do you go after that? I mean, I was, you know, g- going back to that moment in prison of hearing this incredible talk. I mean, really was like the best, most inspiring sermon I've ever heard, and to see tears rolling down other people's cheeks, and to see that we want to believe in this idea of redemption. And he talks about how justice and mercy have to go together. Not only can they, but they have to. That that we have a biblical mandate to bring justice and mercy together. And what I love is that Dean is saying, this is not a left issue. This is not a right issue. This is a human issue that we need to step up. And I believe Dean is living out an amazing Christian calling. He is living out this mission and sharing that story from this woman that offered him grace and mercy when she didn't have to in a village in remote Alaska. Um, what an incredible, incredible guy, uh, becoming now a hero of mine, just in the trenches, doing really, really hard and challenging work, but audacious enough to believe we actually can marry justice and mercy together, and we can uh, see a new day not just for those in prison, but for those in churches that can come and be part of what God is doing there. We're seeing leadership development happening behind bars. He's got many, many more dreams. And so if you have a heart for prison reform, if you have a heart to take next steps in this area, maybe to get your church involved somehow, you can go ahead on stayforth.com. Go ahead and shoot me an email, and I'd be glad to get any info if we can. Make sure to check the show notes, some of the exciting things that are going on within local prisons. But I will just say, I've heard this phrase many times recently, do for one what you wish you could do for many. I think originally it's an Andy Stanley quote, to do for one what you wish you could do for many. And I believe what they're doing in these small groups and pods of work and getting outside of the walls of prison and art and music and poetry are many of the things that they want to do across the nation. We want to see a movement of dignity sweep across the nation. And what a cool thing if it started in our prisons, the most unlikely place for this to happen. I love this interview with Dean. We want to continue to get leaders on here who you probably haven't heard of. I hadn't heard of Dean, but I just said we have to get him in front of our listeners. So again, check the show notes. Keep tracking along with this podcast. But if you know someone who has been impacted by incarceration, maybe the family of, maybe they are passionate about, maybe someone formerly incarcerated, please send them this episode, share it with them, and I think it will share great hope. I love this conversation with Dean. And I hope you've taken much away from it. So much to think about and ponder and consider. But I just want to leave you with one question. What's one way in your life that you can put justice and mercy together? What's one way in your life you can put justice and mercy together? Perhaps it's easy to live out justice. Perhaps it's easy to live out mercy. But it is a tough tension to live those both out together. 
I see Dean doing that well, and I'm sure so many of you as well. Keep fighting the good fight. What you do in leadership matters, but make sure to take care of yourself and stay healthy in the meantime. Guys, we will catch you on the next episode of the podcast. So long.